best when I hear something amazing. Oh, and feel free to tell your friends too. So Kohl's, they're having a huge sale on summer stuff. And if you live for sunny days like I do, you need to check it out. I got 40% off a new patio set, Food Network grilling essentials for 20% off, and 50% off those yard games my kids won't stop talking about. Best part? I got an extra $10 off and some Kohl's cash. It almost makes being cooped up all winter worth it. Almost. Select styles. 10 off 25 offer valid May 27th through 31st. Some exclusions apply. See store or calls.com for details. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the GC Sunscast, the Gold Coast Sun Show by fans for fans. I'm your host, Shane. And unfortunately tonight, we must start off on a serious note. The GC Sunscast is changing. And first of all, I'd like to thank my former co-host Tom for his passion and contributions to the show over the years and wish him well going ahead. Moving forward, the GC Sunscast will focus on returning to the roots of its creation to give all Suns fans a voice and a platform to do so. So Suns fans, if you want to talk Suns footy, Message GC Sunscast on Facebook or Twitter and let me know what you love about the Suns. So, moving forward, I've got a special guest on the line today. Uh, Shannon, welcome to the show. G'day, Shane. Thanks for having me on tonight and thanks for all the guests for listening to me. Sorry, all the um, patrons out there. Yep, uh, you've brought patrons up, so I should uh, thank our Patreon donors. Okay... Uh, Jack's dad, Paul Vosti, Dale Snelling, Tom Kim, Brody Burgess, Kate Kelland, Robbie Fiorini, Chris Moore, and Tim. Thanks so much for your support, guys, and sticking with us in these times. Um, we hope we can welcome some more Patreon members in the near future. Let's start off, though, by talking some footy so they've got something to look forward to. Now, Tom, uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm getting used to this new change. Okay. No, that's uh, fine, mate. So, Shannon, welcome to the show. What you. is your history with the Suns? Why are you such a big Suns fan? I was always a footy fan. Um, I grew up on the Gold Coast, um, with a little bit in Melbourne as well, but mostly on the Gold Coast. And we always said that uh, if Gold Coast got a team, I'd be on board. So, in 2008, when they announced the team, and then 2009, when they started playing TAC, just started going to games. Uh, didn't wasn't really fully uh, involved. The heart wasn't 100% in it. But then come the VFL year, I don't know what clicked then, but it, it just sort of went basically full steam ahead. I was all in from 2010. So I've been a member since then. Um, lots of games, lots of misery as we all have, but yeah, lots of good highlights as well. So what are some of your favourite highlights? What's your favourite game? Oh, favourite game. Probably, if I had to pick one, and obviously we've had a, a lot of good wins over the years. Um, with, with the with the poor history, each win seems pretty special. But, yeah, definitely the highlight for me would be round 22 um, in 2012 versus Carlton. Um, it happened to fall on my birthday, which made it a bit more special. But in my opinion, it's still probably the greatest upset we have had um, for where we were at as a team versus our opposition. Um, we started off so strong that game. And Carlton, I think they come up a bit cocky and they just couldn't reel us back in. 
Okay, that's probably one of the games I don't really remember too much. Was that the one where Carlton's coach got sacked afterwards? That was. That was the demise of um, Brett Ratton. Um, yeah. At that stage, I think we'd only won two games all year, which was GWS, I think, the week before or two weeks before. And another good game, the Carmichael Hunt goal after the siren, was also that year, which came in, I think, round 16. So we were a pretty ordinary team, still a young developing team, um, and... Yeah, Carlton were about third or fourth on the ladder. So everyone had written us off up until that stage and we just come out on fire and, yeah, really rolled them. It was really good. For someone who's not a massive Carlton fan, I enjoyed that good birthday gift. <laughs> okay, so who's your favourite all-time player for the Suns? All-time player? Um, this is going to be a little bit bitter seeing we're playing Melbourne this week, but I was always a Stephen May fan. Um, loved what he'd done for the club. Loved his attitude on and off the field, the way he went hard, both at the ball and the player. Um, got himself in a bit of trouble, obviously. But, yeah, probably Stephen May all-time. Oh, that's interesting, considering, yeah, he's had a, a checkered history with the Suns, uh, a love-hate sort of relationship. And Absolutely. There's plenty of people out there that still love what he's done. Um, who's your favourite player now? Uh, it's a tough one. I'm really invested in this sort of this high pressure game that we've got at the moment so it'd be the easy and cheap way out to save Matty Rao but I'm not going to do that I'm going to say probably Holman and Greenwood um yeah just their the tackling pressure and you know clearance work that they're bringing bringing to the Suns at the moment um really something to look forward to it's something we haven't seen yeah I'm personally a big fan of the defensive side of the games and I've always preached that so good to have someone else that thinks along those lines uh, our top three will be interesting then to see if we've both gone defensive players. But uh, before we get to that, let's jump into talking about the game against Geelong. So Gold Coast Suns, 8 goals for 52, were defeated by Geelong, 13 goals, 11-89, a 37-point loss in the end. Uh, it certainly didn't feel like the margin was that big, did it? Uh, the Suns certainly were there to play for most of the game. Yeah, not at all. And... You look back, it's happened a few times this year, but Geelong's, Geelong's goals, a lot of them come in short, sharp bursts, which is which has been a problem for a long time with us, and it's always going to be a problem until you know we develop where our better players are not 20, 30-game players and they go from 50 to 100. So we've just got to really rein in them small periods and small outbursts. And you look at this Geelong game on the weekend, definitely no exception. They kicked four goals straight on us in the first quarter and then again in the last quarter. And if you take that out, I think the result's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Um, I mean, they got away early in that first quarter and I think it was a 20-point margin at quarter time. Um, uh, the Suns were able to peg back, which is really quite remarkable, considering they were also down a star player, Matt yeah. Rowe. And then I think that third quarter, again, they had uh, a few late goals and got the margin back out to 15. Uh, and then they just went on with it from there. The Suns weren't able to score a goal in that last quarter, which is probably the, the more damning stat there. Um King kicked three goals, Day and Weller each kicked two. So our forward line's starting to functioning and uh, we're getting some midfield goals too. So that's quite impressive, isn't it? It is, yeah. Having a spread of goal kickers is definitely something that um, we haven't always had. You know, it's been back in the days of Lynch um, kicking kicking bags for us, always the, the leading goal scorer. And even as late as last year, I think Sexton absolutely dominated the leading goal kicking 
uh, by by our standards anyway. So it is good to get that spread there. Um, King's obviously coming coming along really well, but just the end, the the quality of the ball going into the forward fifty is definitely at a much improved level, and a lot of that's to contribute. Yeah, I bet uh, some of the forwards we've lost in the past, like uh, Tom Lynch, would have been loving that display of uh, forward entries, the way they were getting it. Uh, King's just marking most of the ball he gets gets to, and uh, he kicked a beautiful goal um, that went over his head. Uh, I think it was the second quarter. That's now goal of the year nomination. Uh, it took me a bit by surprise, I guess, but I, I don't think there might have been too much competition this week. Yeah, not at all. It, it was a pretty lowly week for the, the goal, goal of the year nominations, unlike the Mark of the Year ones. Unfortunately, we didn't make that list, but I guess any good publicity coming with them goal of the year noms are definitely good for us at the moment. We'll take whatever we can get. Yep. Um, so this game, I don't want to talk too much about Geelong because it is a Suns podcast, but I felt Geelong ran, kicked and used the ball a lot better than us and they destroyed us in the clearances and that's I don't think the Suns have been beaten the clearances since that Port Adelaide game in round one so it was it highlighted a weakness and where we probably lost that game was through that midfield battle um our one percenters and basic skills we were well down on those and I think it late in that last quarter late in the third quarter we were just missing easy targets that that was so frustrating to watch it definitely was frustrating and um, the fact that a lot of them missed targets, they weren't coming from, you know, younger players who might be a bit more forgiven, you know, your, your Budricks and Andersons and that, they still make their mistakes, but it's really disheartening to see it from some of our more experienced leaders of the Suns too. Yeah, um, I don't know what Harborough and Hanley were thinking. Some of those, I think they might have been directly related to uh, conceding like five goals maybe more i think it was a little bit more than that um especially when you factor in the 50 meter penalties as well i think they both had 50s against them i think harbour might have even had two i'm not 100 percent sure on that but it's definitely costly and it's something that we can't have going forward absolutely um do you think the boys looked a bit tired in that last quarter do you think the lack of interchanges or maybe same day travel just put them off at they started slow and then they finished really slowly as well i'm not too sure how much tiredness comes into it in the end i think geelong just sort of figured us out um one of the the negatives that you know i I took out of the game was uh, i don't know whether we can put it down to coaching or what it was but we just didn't seem to play the ground very well obviously we've been fantastic this year especially since round two with you know spreading the ball using it wide hitting targets like really deep on the flanks and the wings it's something we couldn't do at Geelong obviously with such a narrow ground so um, players looked a little bit out of shape there and I think that played a big part and we did as you know start to get on top of it through the middle stage of the game but I think just Geelong adapted better and they were all over us by the time they got a few cheap goals in the end. I think it was just a little bit too late. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that goal by Gary Ablett in the last uh, quarter was pretty impressive, and by then the game was all done and dusted. Yeah, um, you can't blame um, Butters for giving that one up. <laughs> he did so well throughout the whole game, Butterick, to, to keep Ablett relatively quiet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's coming along well, and if he's... 
I never actually pictured him as that sort of lockdown player. Um, more, I had him more as a sort of a attacking, but yeah, he, he did keep Ablett quite contained and hopefully, you know, that's a sign of when we need that going forward, he's going to be able to step up into that role. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's time for one of our new segments, Shannon, uh, play of the game. Play of the game. So this segment, we're going to highlight an individual bit of brilliance and just uh, give plaudits to to a certain player on the sun side. So the play of the game I'm awarding this week to Twinkle Toes Bows. <laughs> I like the rhyme there too. Yeah, definitely. I had a feeling that could that could have been the play that was brought up. It was definitely a highlight. Yeah. So he, I've looked back at this footage. He's evaded a tackle from Duncan, danced around uh, Parfit, and then went on and dodged out of the way of Selwood. So some pretty pretty big names in that Geelong midfield there that tried to tried to take him down. And he made it look so easy. And then to finish up with a beautiful kick to Sam Day in the forward fifty, which resulted in a goal, it's certainly the play of the game. Hundred percent it definitely is. And uh once again it gives us something to look forward to going yeah, going forward with the Suns um, it, it does make you wonder how long it is until Jack gets a few more minutes in the midfield um, I wouldn't say he's wasted down back he's definitely playing a good role down there but if he's going to continue to put balls inside 50 like that then you know that we really need to think about what we're doing with him He's certainly one of those players that could probably play anywhere and really impact uh, it just depends I guess on who else is around him so that like he, he's the miss, Mr. Fix-It and he'll just go wherever he's required to go. Such a handy player to have, especially with such a young squad. And um, he, he seems to have that sort of leadership qualities as well. So, yeah, just all-around good signs. Okay. Well, let's jump into our top three. So, for th- one vote this week, I'm giving it to Butterick for his effort on keeping Ablett quiet. Two votes, I'm going to go with Greenwood. 21 disposals, 11 tackles, 23 pressure acts, and 6 clearances. He was far and away the best Suns midfielder. And three votes, I'm going with Nick Holman. We saw a beautiful article by Michael Whiting uh, last week uh, about his pressure acts and the way he, he works in the side when he doesn't have the football. And we saw that again this week, but we saw him add another level to his game, which was more attacking, more offensive. He got the 13 disposals, four goal assists, uh, 11 tackles and 21 pressure acts. So really strong effort from Holman. What about you, Shannon? Yeah, great, great stats there. Uh, mine are a little bit similar, but I'm going one vote, uh, Lockie Weller. And the reason I give him the vote there, he didn't have a, a massive amount of the ball, 11 disposals, five tackles, four inside 50s. But when the Suns were up and about, he seemed to be the catalyst going forward. His run and spread, uh, he was always providing an option. And his finishing has just come to another level this year. Um, and this game, yeah, against Geelong, I think when we were up and about, was Lockie was up and about. So it's hard to say that he wasn't a big part of it. So, yeah, one vote to Lockie. I had two votes for Holman. Basically, everything you said is pretty much spot on. He's. It's hard to say for for a casual fan who was watching, might not notice the things that he does. He, he doesn't do a lot offensively with the ball, but, yeah, the tackling pressure and, yeah, just, just that sort of, you know, the effect he has on the game that might not be noticed by others is fantastic, and I reckon he's going to turn into a real favourite of Stewie Jew 
and the coaching panel going forward. And for me, three votes Greenwood. I just think 21 disposals and 11 tackles, absolutely incredible. It's it's something that the Suns have been missing for a long time. So absolutely fantastic to have that. And yeah, it, it just makes me excited to to have that sort of quality of player around these young and developing midfielders. Yeah, well, Greenwood's been criticised lately for his lack of disposals. He certainly corrected that this week. Uh, when Matt Rowe went down, I'm thinking, all right, who's going to step up in our midfield to get those 20-odd possessions that Matt Rowe would normally get and have an impact? And it came down to Hugh Greenwood for me, and he certainly did that. Yeah, for me, it was it was either going to be Greenwood or Swallow. And um, Swallow, by no means, he didn't have a terrible game. But Greenwood's just taken it to that next level. And hopefully with um, Real getting injured, which I'm sure we'll touch on a bit more later, he can continue to do that over the next few weeks, few months. Yeah. Okay, time for another new segment. This is incredible! So, this is incredible. We're going to talk about uh, a positive that we enjoyed from the game, something that we took from it. Um, We mentioned this earlier before, but the resolve to fight back after a horrid first quarter, being 20 points down at quarter time, I think there's a stat floating about that any side that's down by... Any side that's up by seven points at quarter time goes on to, to win the game, with the exception of the draw. I think that was included in there. Wow. So knowing that at quarter time, I thought, okay, we're probably not going to win this game. They certainly came back and even got in front early in that third quarter, and there was every chance they could have broken that, that trend. I think it's happened about 20 times now. Yeah, it. That's definitely true. Um, I think we got to nine points up at one stage. Um, I could be wrong on that score, but it was something like that. And we were looking all right, too. We had all the momentum until, as we spoke about earlier, one of them 50-metre penalties, I think it might have been against Harbrow. I think it was give Geelong a goal and um, really turn the momentum back. So we were definitely not only back in the game, but we sort of really got on top of Geelong I was getting a little bit excited to be honest I thought you know the unthinkable might happen but yeah just great resolve from the young kids and um, yeah real pleasing to see Okay and what was your incredible moment Shannon? Um, Not so much an incredible moment but for me just seeing the chemistry between the forward line really coming together um, as we spoke about Sam Day two goals, Ben King three goals working together and you know they were marking more often than not, but if they weren't marking, they were actually basically putting the ball in positions where it was going to create a contest for the crummers and um, at least keep the ball in that forward 50. So it's really coming together down in that forward line, whether that's just the work rate, which has been fantastic with those two players, or the quality of the ball coming inside 50 is yet to be seen. But just with everything coming together, Sam Day, Ben King, it's great to have them two down there. Absolutely. Uh, It's been a hotly contested topic, at least in pre-season, over what's our best forward line. I think it's pretty obvious now it is King and Day. Uh, I mean, we haven't seen Wright, but obviously he's not pushing his case well enough to to get into the the side. And King and Day have either been taking turns popping up, or as we saw this week, both popped up to to kick a a couple of goals and give the team a shot at, at the win. Yeah. So... Um, it was kind of weird the way the goals were being kicked as well. I noticed Weller kicked the first two goals of the game, King kicked the next three goals for the Suns, and then Day kicked the two goals for the Suns. 
So it was all they were all getting their goals in batches. So I hadn't actually noticed that. So yeah, that's a, a good pickup. So I think the way the Suns, I spoke last week about how King was our number one forward target. I think what's happened during the game is they've changed their their main man. So Weller's two goals were just good positioning, getting the ball around that fifty mark and and hitting the the goals. But uh, King was the target for the those three goals that he kicked in the second quarter. But then Day stood up and kicked two goals in the third quarter, and uh, he was the main target. So it was very interesting that they're maybe trying to put the opposition off by by changing uh, targets. Yeah, and a lot of that could be, um, without looking too far into it, could be yeah where the defenders were going as well. So mm. as yeah, I didn't really pay too much attention as to who was on each player at each time, but having them two options up there and Sam Day's um, much improved. He's looking. He's looking like a different player just physically as well. He's really built up in the last 12 months and um, having that yeah, imposing presence down there, it's it's definitely going to help, uh, especially with Ben King still developing physically. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move into the next part of this segment. This is ridiculous! This is- so, what's the ridiculous <laughs> moment of this game or the negative? I'm going to say it was Harborough and Hanley in particular. I don't like to single out people, but... As we discussed before, they were directly responsible for at least five goals, probably more. I think I might have even seen it was eight goals. Um, that's not no, that's not on for two senior players uh, to to put up a, a performance like that. It's just not on. Their accuracy was poor. Their decision making was poor, and their discipline was poor. Yeah, definitely, and especially Harbrow in particular went down at 53% disposal efficiency. Um, yeah, he had 12 kicks, but he just didn't do much with them, and as you brought up, the discipline, is it's just not what you want from your leaders down back, um, and they probably are. They are the two generals of that back line, so you know, you've got to lead by example, and I think it was really Ballard and Collins who stopped the floodgates from opening down there, and I think, yeah, if... if Hanley and Harbrow maintain their spot in the team. I think there needs to be a big lift this week. Well, here's a stat for you. Harbrow recorded the lowest ever ranking points since they started doing champion data ranking points. That's absolutely insane. So so that's how bad of a game Harbrow was playing. It? If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Yeah. Um, So, what's your ridiculous moment, your negative from this game? Well, I was going to touch on um, just the shape of the GMHBA ground and how... You know, I don't think we come come down with the right game plan for it. We weren't able to use that sort of run and spread in the same way we would at Metricon. So I'll, I'll sort of leave that alone because we have touched on it already. But for me, I just thought Wits, um, he looked a little bit underdone compared to where he's been at certain weeks. Now, there's been no real talk of any injury clouds or anything like that. He won the hit outs, not really to advantage in my opinion. I haven't really trolled the stats on that. 
Um, but he he had 29, didn't seem to do much with him, and he was just yeah really slow around the ground, and his disposal just didn't look right. He always looked rushed, which he hasn't he hasn't sort of done that this year. So for me, yeah, I'm just wondering what the question mark is over Wits at the moment. Yeah, he played similar to the way he played in that Port game. So I don't know what it was uh, in the Port game. We made up that he was uh, coming back from an injury. He was wasn't match fit, but this game. Yeah, I don't know. It, it maybe the travel, uh, what a two hundred nine centimeter bloke yeah. on a plane. It's probably not the best preparation. Absolutely not. So we'll see how he bounces back this week. And um, I know, he, I think he still might have got in the coaches' votes um, this week officially. So I might be being a little bit hard on Jared. Um, but yeah, for me, it just didn't look like there was something right. And I hope we can put it down to something as simple as a travel and, you know, that balances out a bit this week. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on and uh, discuss some injury news. So, Matt Rowell, as we all know, any Suns fan that's been following the club will know that this shining beacon for the club is uh, injured. Done his shoulder, ACA, uh, AC ligament in his shoulder, I think it was. Um Looks like he's going to be out for the year. The club's coming out this afternoon and they've decided to operate on him. Um, it's going to be out for at least 12 weeks, so three months. It's basically the same injury Gary Ablett did back in 2014, almost six years to the day. Well, there's a positive we can take out of that 12 weeks. That brings him back just in time for finals, doesn't it? It does. Or <laughs> maybe the season's still going if we get any delays. Well, yeah, who knows? We could be back in time for round eight, the way things are going. But um, it, it's it's horrific news. And, you know, not just from, you know, we can look at it selfishly from a Suns fan and think, you know, that could cost us games going forward. And that might well be the case. But just Matt Rowell, he's just been such a, a pleasant person to sort of you know watch he's he comes across as a real nice guy loves his footy so it's just demoralizing for him and his family as well it's real heartbreaking stuff yeah so i've done a bit of research into this surgery and it's been described to me as the dislocations almost like a golf tee has been chipped on the the top of the tee and the ball because there's that chip the ball can't stay there anymore so what they do in this case is they get a bit of bone and graft it uh, to the to the shoulder and try to repair that that chip so the 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 shoulder stays in the socket and there's also apparently a tendon attached to that bone which acts like a, a bit of a sling to help the shoulder stay in that socket so once this is done and if he makes a full recovery no dramas he shouldn't have any more issues with that shoulder popping out. So that that's a good thing in a way. Like we can go ahead not having to worry every time he gets tackled because based on how Matt Rowe plays, that's a lot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we don't have to worry about that shoulder popping out again. So as long as I feel like the club's made the best decision possible for the, for our future. Yeah, it's it's good, good to see that they're not going to rush him back. And, you know, the reports were that Matt wanted to come straight back on the ground once the shoulder was popped back in. So um, it would have been the easy way out for the club. And maybe in previous years, they might have sent him back on the ground. So good to see us taking that cautious approach. It's obviously sad to, sad to know we're probably not going to see him for the rest of the year out there. But 
18, 19 years old, future's bright, and um, yeah, he'll he'll come back stronger than ever, I think. Yeah. Uh, the only other piece of injury news is Luke Toey has suffered a fractured eye socket in the scratch match on the weekend. The boys played a, a practice match against the West Coast boys again. Um, so we've got a bit of news from that scratch match. It sounds like Rankin and Joyce are both pushing their chances for AFL selection. Uh, Dawson's doing pretty well coming out of defence as a rebounding defender. And with the way Harbour and Hanley are at the moment, it sounds like there's a spot opening up. Um, and Corey Ellis, he hasn't done much since he came up to the Suns, but it sounds like they're finally playing him in an offensive midfield role. And it seems like he's really thriving. They listed him as one of the best for the day. Um and then Fiorini is apparently doing quite well as well, doing everything the coaches are asking of him. And Hompsch and Graham, again, doing well as solid defenders. Great to hear. Great to hear. Especially Fiorini, who, you know, it, it shocked a few people having him not only dropped, but, you know, he totally missed out on emergencies. And I think the coaches have been pretty public with his the reasoning behind that, saying, you know, the areas he needs to work on. And it sounds like he's really taken a full grasp of that and really pushed to to work on that so he had that press conference the other day in Wollongong spoke really well and doesn't seem like he's you know letting that get him down he's a absolute professional and working so hard to get back in the team so that's good to hear and yeah Rankin I mean which Suns fans not excited to see him debut six score involvements on the weekend in that scratch match and yeah all the news was positive and uh, I know I was confident last week about Rankin playing. I said it was a 90% chance to play this week against Geelong. Well, I am now 99% certain he will debut this week. He, pretty, he's had pretty good put, odds. <laughs> he's put together three good games in the reserves. Um, hasn't suffered any injury setbacks. And from everything I understand, the club is leaning towards playing him. And now that we've got injuries and form issues... I think they the club could easily find a spot for him to to step into, and it will be very exciting to watch Rankin. Absolutely, for all those um, punters out there that have may or may not have lost a little bit of money on the um, Matt Rao rising star bets, time to get that money in on Rankin. I think. Absolutely. So we could have another rising star jumping in, and uh, we'll just have to wait for this game against Melbourne. So, well, yeah, go on. I was just going to say, who knows? Is there any rules that say um, a player can't win the Rising Star off five games? No, there isn't. Do you, do you think he's put together enough body of work to win off five games? He clearly is the best player from the first crop. Well, it's hard to say. You, you take out that first game, which, you know, he wasn't, by no means he wasn't a bad player, but he, he didn't stand out like he did in rounds two, three, and four. So it's it's hard to say. He's probably going to come with eight or nine Brownlow votes for them, their middle batch of three games. I think I think most of the, the people on the panel who vote would believe he's probably the the brightest light for the season, even if that's short part, but I don't think morally they could vote for him off that small sample size. Yeah, you've got a point. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they vote because uh, he clearly is the best player. But as you until, said... Until we see Isaac step on the field. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right. Um, but he, Rao's still going to be eligible for it next year. 
He's only yes. played the five games. If he doesn't play any more games this year, um, I think 10's the limit. So he's still going to be eligible for it next year. I think even if he wins this year, he'll still be eligible for it. Depending how many games, once again, you know, I don't want to keep bringing that up, but you know, Isaac could be eligible for it next year too, and he'll be hopefully fit and ready to play a full season. So it could be an interesting battle going forward between the two. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so in the news, we've got, uh, if you don't know, the club is in Wollongong. They've based themselves in Wollongong for the next two weeks. We have a game against Melbourne at Giant Stadium in the west of Sydney. And then next week, we've got a game against Sydney, and I presume that would be at the SCG. So the Suns are going on a bit of a road trip, and uh, they're going to be stuck in New South Wales at least until uh, two weeks away when the Queensland government lets them back in. So, do you think this is going to impact the Suns, this hub life issue that they're now dealing with? There's no doubt in, in some way or another it is going to impact. I mean, you take them out of your home for two weeks, it's going to have some sort of effect. But in saying that, all the, the presses, the reports coming out of camp, and even before they left, they were really all in on this. They were looking forward to it, the bonding that was going to come from it. You know, we've seen from other clubs there's been a lot of hesitancy and players not wanting to go for for reasons right or wrong you know they've all got those um those decisions they have to make but son's a young team not too many too many of them do have their families there are a couple but they just seem so invested in this and um if if they're not just you know throwing it out as media spiel it's it's really good to see that you know they're going to take a lot of positives out of it yeah we're no strangers to traveling uh it was only two I think two years ago when the Commonwealth Games was on and we spent yeah correct spent what, 10 weeks on the road. Um, so I don't think this, these boys are strangers to travelling. I think they'll quite handle it quite well. And Stuart Dew said last night that there's... I don't think there's any wives or girlfriends that's with them at the moment. Yeah, he did say that, yes. So it, I think it's just a bonding trip for the boys. They're going to knuckle down, focus on their footy. And try to enjoy themselves. Um, I feel like they've got a bit of work on their plate now after that, that Geelong. There's certainly some stuff they can go over and work on and improve. And hopefully we'll see the result of that as early as this week against Melbourne. Absolutely. And I'm really looking forward to this game. It is it is a game that regardless of you know the ins and outs, I think we can win it. Melbourne haven't been great. They haven't been terrible, but yeah, by no means set the world on fire. So definitely going to be interesting yeah so let's talk about this game in against melbourne first of all what changes do you think will happen and bear in mind besides the 22 that or 23 i think that we brought with us because zach smith went down as well uh we've got graham sharp rankin fiorini smith corbett and wright so there's yeah that's 29 players Big squad to choose from. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be swinging the axe too brutally. So, you know, it's after a loss like that when, you know, spirits have been high, it's it's easy for fans to sort of, you know, get up and about and say we want to make five, six changes. But to me, I'd be keeping it as, as small as possible. Um, for me, I think Hanley's got to come out and have a rest. I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't swing too hard on Harbrow just yet. He's had one terrible game, but you know, when you factor in his leadership, he's been pretty good down there for a few years. I'll back him into bounce back. So for me, Hanley comes out. Rao definitely comes out. And I think we do need to make that spot for rank. And I think it's time, as you said earlier, hard to say who um, you'd probably take out for Isaac, but I guess that's a decision the coaches are going to have to make. So based on the outs that you've listed with, say say we pull out Hanley and we pull out Rao. Yep. Now, what sort of shuffling around do we do to get Rankin into the side? And who's the other player you'd bring in? Would it be a Fiorini? Would it be a, a Corbett or a Sharp? Fiorini seems to be doing all the right things at the moment. Um, he has started the year at AFL level playing down back. So you could make the argument that, you know, he goes in for Hanley, direct replacement. For me personally, I don't like him fearing down back. I think he's a pure midfielder. Um, he approaches the game well as a midfielder. But I, I think the coaches will go with sort of Fiorini for Hanley. Raul, I reckon you, you could be looking at uh, Will Brody, who seems to be doing the right things. Um, and, yeah, just... The forward line hasn't been too dysfunctional. Um, you, you could make a case for Darcy McPherson, who's by no means has he been terrible. Um, he hasn't been bad, but he just hasn't had that output of last year. Um, granted, there's probably not as many midfield minutes available for him, but in that case, if he's playing down forward, um, he's probably got to be the next one to drop out to give Isaac that go. Yeah. Um like the notes I've got, I've written Rail out for Brody, but that's not going to happen because Brody isn't part of that squad that's flown down there, as far as I'm aware. So, uh, of course, of course. So Fiorini seems like the most likely replacement for Rail. Now I've written down Powell because he was very quiet in this game; didn't really seem to have much impact. Uh, Sharp is obviously pushing his case for a debut. He's been doing quite well in the reserves games and he he plays that attacking wingman sort of role. Maybe it's time to give Sharp a debut. Uh, I've got Harbrow out instead of Hanley. I, I just thought Harbrow's efforts were disgraceful on the weekend. Um, but then it's a matter of trying to find who you can shuffle on field into that half back line to replace him maybe Ellis goes back from a wing and then that sort of opens up a spot to move uh, I'm sure one of our forwards could go into a wing and you could bring Rankin in there it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they, they approach it because you do bring up valid points but what sort of mindset is Stuart Jew going in with is it is it still a win win every game sort of mindset or is it a, a mindset where we are going to push for that development and get, you know, games into kids? So are we putting in our best 22 or are we, you know, sort of pushing someone who's not quite at the level as someone who's played a few more games in just to get, get games into them, if that makes sense? Based on everything we've heard so far this year from the club, I would be under the impression that they're looking to win every game. And development and everything will come, but they're just looking to win as many games as possible. Um, so, yeah, I would be honestly be very surprised if they went into these games with a develop, purely development-focused strategy. Yeah, I think I think you know when, especially now, there's you look at teams. There's not too many teams I 
think we couldn't beat if we had our day. So we've already shown it against West Coast, who are obviously, you know, they've been poor, but they're still a hell of a team on paper. Um, that, yeah, we, we can lift for these games, lift for these teams. So you'd want to think that winning would be the first thing on their mind. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so to finish up the talk for the Melbourne game, what's your key matchup from this game? For me, key matchup, um, probably, <laughs> and we touched on uh, Maisie a little bit earlier, but banking on Stephen May. Um, it is going to be a fantastic matchup, I think, just to really see how far Kings come. Um, Stephen's a quality defender, but there's a bit of a storyline behind it as well with what we traded, I think it was pick six. We got back from Melbourne for Maisie and we used that, I believe. Is that correct, to pick up Ben King? Yeah, that, that's right. It was uh, May and Colo Jasny for pick six. I think we might have gave something back to them and um, or they might have gave something back to us late for Piccolo Jasny. But, uh, yeah, it resulted in Ben King coming to the Suns. So, a bit of a, a storyline there just to see, you know, early days who's winning that trade. Well, yeah, Melbourne would definitely... Be que- being questioned about that trade. We heard on our our good friends at AFL Exchange, they were questioning it as one of the most uh, trades to... Oh, I can't remember what it was, but, you know, they, they were questioning the trade and the legitimacy of it. At, at the time, it was the right thing for Melbourne. Yeah. But certainly now, I, I think they'd be questioning and maybe looking at having that one back if they could. <laughs> I think um, there'd be a lot of Victorian teams that would like to have a certain Benjamin King on their lineup. that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's even a, a team with a Max King in there and they're still looking at getting a Ben King. Yeah, absolutely. What What is your gut feel going into the game? Um, if you had to call it now, who's going to win the matchup between the two of them? Ooh. I, I think... I think Ben King would outdo Stephen May. And I know there's probably a bit of biasness in it, but I really like the way Ben King's approaching the game. He's he's attacking it head first. He's not shirking away from the contest. And um, it's result in quite a few goals for him. And I think Stephen May hasn't been overly impressive this year. We know how he gets worked up when teams aren't going the greatest. And I think that's probably going to be his downfall. If the Suns get on top early, I think Stephen May will unravel a bit. Might be a bit of emotions there. Yeah. The only thing that really worries me is the physicality side of things. Stephen's a very physical player. So um, hopefully, you know, if, if if it comes down to that sort of thing, Ben can rise to the challenge. But I think he's got it in him. And as long as the um, quality of ball going forwards, the level it has been, I think, you know, we'll get on top as will Ben I'm going to put him down for three goals on the weekend (laughs) yeah I'm thinking three goals as well he's got a knack of kicking three it's the new five for three goals isn't it it definitely is and what's the new hundred then we're going to start charging on the ground when a player kicks 60 for the season maybe 50 this year short year yeah 50 is probably more the mark this year (laughs) all right so who let's uh do our predictions our crystal ball um, I reckon the Suns will beat Melbourne by, let's say, five goals. I think they'll come out with a vengeance uh, and just run all over Melbourne, who looks a bit slow these days. And, yep, yeah, Ben King, three goals. And I will say, I reckon Swallow is due for a good one. I'll give Swallow best on ground. Yeah, I like the call of Swallow best on ground. He, he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't also been that, that shining light. For me, I, I think 
we'll get the job done. Um, I'm not quite as confident on the, the big five goal margin. I'll say 11 points, but in saying that, I think we'll be in control all day. Um, you look at the Melbourne's midfield, they're getting a lot of it. Uh, Clayton Oliver in particular, but he just hasn't been as damaging as he has been in previous years. And I think... Um, yeah, I reckon we've got ways of shutting that down and our speed speed on the turnover and rebound, um, I think we'll get the job done on them. So, yeah, Ben King for three goals. Um, for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil it and just say Greenwood, another best on ground performance. I think he's going to lift in them clearances where we're losing Matty Rao and really just keep working on them, them disposals to shut Mark Rusciuto up. Okay, and uh, who do you think comes into your side? If you had to pick one player, who's the lock to come into the side this week? To come back in, um, I think it's got to go, well, I won't say come back in, but to come in, Isaac Rankin, it's time. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, That's my lock, Isaac Rankin, to play this week. At least 99% certain, so don't shoot me if it doesn't happen. (laughs) I'm 1% off. Um, We're all hoping. All right. Well, thanks for joining me tonight, Shannon. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Shane. Uh, hope, hope to have you on the show in the near future. But until next time, go Suns. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like instant confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores.